speak through me and uh, just give grace to the word as we, as we listen to it, that our hearts would be prepared for it, and that you would come, Holy Spirit. We just invite you to come and just open up our hearts in Jesus' name. Okay. I feel a little bit frazzled because we've got a whole lot of sickness going on in our house, and I was like up most of the night last night um, going back and forth. I think I slept in four different places um, trying to like, Mandy and I were like trying to take care of the kids and trying to move them around. So it was not one of the better nights in recent history. Um, And then, so I was home in the afternoon so that Mandy could go, uh, you know, visit Karis. And so I'm like, okay, what did my notes say? (laughs) <laughs> um, so I was praying this week, and so I, w- I want to speak this. I might do this again because we're, we're not all here, but I felt like God started speaking to me prophetically. It's just, you know, the service side of things, but there's something brewing in this group that he can use us because there's such a highly committed group of people committed to willingness and humility and generosity. I forgot them. Those are the three. Um, and so I just get this sense of, like, you guys are incredible raw material for God. And um, that he's saying to you, now here's, here's the one thing that I didn't quite understand, but I felt like the Lord was saying that you, you've given him, or we've, I'll say the we, that, this part, because it's a little bit of a convicting thing. We've given him our hands, but have we given him our hearts? And I, I don't know exactly what he means by that. And so I, I just like debated even saying it, but I'm just going to throw it out there for, for you to wrestle with, and I'll figure it out for myself. But we, I think we are a people who is willing to give God our hands, willing to give him our work and our effort and our sacrifice, but are we giving them our hearts? And actually, it kind of lines up with what we're teaching on today, maybe. Um, so uh, we're going to read 1 John 4, 7 through 21. It's a long one. Uh, if you have your Bible, it might be easier to follow along in your Bible or on your phone. Um, so we're going we're gonna to cover this whole thing. And, but first, I want to read to you a couple of definitions of love from some children. You ready for this, Josh? These, these guys are about Josh's maturity level, age four. Um, four through seven. All right. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Hmm. That's pretty deep. All right. Love is when you go out to eat and give someone most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. That's a high level of love. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. I think he's got it wrong. It's not exactly what's happening there. And I know that if I take a sip of Mandy's coffee, it is not love. That is sure death for me. Um, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends, even though they know each other so well. (laughs) Guess he's thinking if he gets to know you too well, it's over. Um, When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. And lastly, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with with a friend whom you hate. <laughs> I don't know why they're your friend, but... Okay, so 1 John 4. This is admittedly long, so let's just, let's just stay together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, 
God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. All right, does anyone else feel like this is like a tongue twister? I've tried to read this. It is, there's so many loves and, and uh, mostly just that. But it's, it's, okay, we're still going. And it kind of seems like he's saying the same thing in different ways over and over again. So we're going to get to that. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, again. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete amongst us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Three more verses. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates her brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they cannot see. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Okay. So, it's obviously all about the same thing, but I don't know if you're like me. As I've read this, I often have read it and found myself getting distracted at some point. And you might have gotten distracted right there as I read that. And I'm reading, I've read it, and I've read it over and over and over again. And, and I just like, I kind of feel like he's, he's like wrote some stuff and got up and went to get something to eat. And then sat back down and wrote some more stuff and then like took a phone call. I mean, I know it's the Holy Spirit's inspired it, so it's in the order it's meant to be. But it does feel a little bit disjointed to me. Like, he's just like talking about one thing, and then he's like, God is love. He just like comes out of nowhere. You know, so... As I've read this and prayed about it, I have changed the order of the verses, <laughs> all right, to make more sense to me, and that's what we're going to do tonight. So I have put them in a different order, and they're still going to have the, um, the little numbers next to them, and if there's an A or a B, I'm uh, not trying to, like, be condescending, but some people don't know this. If I put, like, 7A, it's the first part of that verse. If I put 7B, it's the second verse. Okay, so I want to I break it apart. There's five steps. We're going to do it in 15 minutes. That's three minutes per step. You ready? All right, awesome. So the first, like, hub for me is, and it's said twice, is God is love, okay? That is, like, the, uh, the, the launching pad of this whole section or, like, the middle of the spokes or something, okay? So whatever analogy you want. Um, it's God is love is the basis for everything else he's going to say. And he's going to talk about love and about what it does and what it is and how we should participate with it. But first we need to know that it's not, it doesn't say love comes from God, right? It says God is love. So somehow this is like who he is. It's not what he does, what he creates, what he gives to us. Those are all true, but it's also who he is. And that's why later on he can say things like, if we love, we are in God. Because as we love each other, we're actually like somehow like participating in what is divine, like participating in who God is. Why are you guys smiling? Does this get taught on already? The women's retreat? Yeah. Did you do it? Actually, I snuck over your house while you were gone, and I stole your notes. So, um, all right. Good. Well, praise God. Um, But it's only the beginning. And so here's the analogy that God started to speak to me when I was working on this. Uh, We have a well at our house, and the well is the source of our water. Okay, and it's, it is just like, it's, I don't totally understand how it works, let's just be honest, but I know that it gets water from the ground and sends it to my house, and I know that much, and it's the source, and it's big, 
right? It's this, it's this container. And so um, we're going to take that analogy further, right? But my first question for us is how connected are we to the source? I could have the biggest well in my backyard full of so much water that could give, you know, quench the thirst of millions, but if there was no pipe connecting it to my house, if I wasn't connected to the source, it would be useless to me. I would have a house with no water. You get the analogy. So are we connected? Because if God is love, if he is love, and we want to learn to love, then we have to know God. And when we love outside of knowing God, it's something else. You know, and the world would disagree with that. But I don't think that you can love with God's love without knowing God because God is love. So if you don't know God, you can't love with his love. So we love with something else. We love with earthly love. And think about God's love. God's love is pure. God's love is what's written about in the Bible. It's patient and kind and never fails. Not just any love. Not just love like I, I desire this or I'm affectionate for you or I really love ranch dressing or, you know, or even like, I, I, even like selfish love. Like I love you because you do a lot of good stuff for me because you meet my needs. I mean, God's love isn't reciprocal. It's not I love to get. There's something else about God's love. And so to, to participate in it when we love each other and love our friends, love our spouses, love our kids, love our neighbors, love the world, we have to know God. We have to know him and his love, okay? So that's the first most fundamental basis, foundation. The well is God. The source is God. How well connected? How deep is your well? How deep is your experience of the love of God? If you're going to love each other, if we're going to love each other with God's love, how deep is our personal experience? So secondly... We are the object of his affection. He has taken who he is and pointed it like a, like a fire hose at us, okay? We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. We, don't, we didn't like create this idea or this concept. It doesn't spring from us without God. It springs from within when we know God and then it naturally comes out. We're the object of his affection, this is love. So you can see we've got some other verses out of order. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he has loved us. See how he repeats it, but it's kind of like sporadic, right? But that he loved us and sent his son. Let me tell you just an example, analogy from my life. Um, Samuel and Elliot were my first two kids. Before, like as soon as Samuel could sit up, I was rolling a ball back and forth with him. This is a true statement. I actually remember the ball. It was a little red Ohio State ball that my dad had given me. And um, we would roll this ball back and forth. And then it's like, I think he was like three years old. We had him in a, a little soccer league across the street, a little Newark soccer thing. And he cried and he hated it, but he was doing it, right? And then we got Elliot in and Elliot cried and he hated it, but he was doing it. And when I came, you know, I was at that time was my identity, who I was, was still very integrated into soccer. Um, I had played soccer my whole life. I had found a lot of like, um, kind of like who I was, identity in it. When I graduated from high school, I wasn't good enough to play where I went to college, so I started coaching. And I coached for years, multiple teams, and just, it was, it was I loved it. I still do love it. Um, but, you know, so when I played with my kids as they were like one and three, four and two, you know, I was, it would be, let's go outside and kick the soccer ball. Let's go to the park and kick the soccer ball. Let's take the door of the Explorer ball. What are you going to do with it? Let's kick it. Like, we use our feet. Like, let's see how fast you can run and kick it. I mean, I used to take Samuel out and say, now I want you to run as fast as you can, but keep kicking the ball at like three years old just to train him to run and kick without slowing down in between kicks. And so 
it paid off. And you know what? Jonathan started having kids too. And our families lived in the same neighborhood. We were close to each other. Guess what I did with his kids? I took him out to play soccer. All right, now it's no accident that four of the five oldest kids of the two families played rep soccer. All right, I'm close to Heather's family too. AJ, Casey, Jacob, Josh, they all play soccer. And now I take full credit for all of that. Actually, Alex, Alex was also a soccer player, so I can't take, I, I wasn't going to throw him in there, but Jonathan, Jonathan, let's be honest, right? So, okay. And all those kids, all those kids have pushed forward into like high-level soccer too. Like it's a part of our DNA. It's like become part of our family culture, right? And it's, it's an inheritance. It's passed down, but they love soccer because I first loved soccer. And if I had loved badminton and was passionate about badminton, they probably wouldn't be playing soccer. There's a good chance. I mean, maybe, and so then they individuate as they get older and Samuel finally decided like soccer wasn't his sport and that's fine, even though it was a horrible mistake and he threw away all his talent. But, but there's, a, the, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, okay, so it is, it, it's getting closer, you know, becoming more like our father, becoming more like if he is love. And he has loved us. That's what enables us to love. Verse 16, so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Listen to the amplified version of this. We've come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for us. See, this is, you know, do we know and rely on God's love? Before we even get into the practical explanation of this teaching, are we we really... Feeling loved by God, participating in the love of God, receiving the love of God, the perfect love of God that drives out fear, the perfect love of God that encourages us to be all we're called to be. Okay, we've got to keep going. So the next step for me, we have the source of God. The source is, is God. God is love. And we're enabled to love because he loved us. And the more we know and rely on his love, the more that we can overflow the love of God, not the love of the world. So we become vessels of love, okay? I thought, I didn't know this sounded weird until we were working on the PowerPoint. Vessels of love for each other. But that's what I wrote, and we're sticking with it, all right? But we do, we, because it's, we're, we're poured into and we, re, and we pour into others. So he says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. The Greek there, dear friends, is much beloved. So because you're loved much, you should love much. Much beloved, love each other. Right? It, it's so, and that's just reinforcing what we just talked about. Because God loved us first. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's a natural progression. It's an obvious next step. Us not loving each other makes no sense to God. Christians not loving each other is, is like foreign. It's alien to God. In fact, whoever claims to love God yet hates her brother or sister is a liar. So you can't love God. You can't say that you love God and not love each other. And that's like black and white. Um, okay, so let's go back to the well. The well has water. Have we established that? He's the source. And so in my household, there are a number of ways to access water. And they all work and no one has to ask permission. The water is freely given. I am an abundantly generous person with water in my house. You can walk up to any faucet and get water at any time, and you don't ever have to ask. And, you, you know, you shouldn't leave it running, but you can get as much as you need. 
and maybe even more. Like sometimes you have too much and that's okay. We're not going to like harp on it, right? The family gets water because it's just a natural, like how weird would it be if they didn't? Now, sometimes I give the water lecture. Have you ever given the water lecture? Because my kids don't really realize, and all kids don't, like water being in the house isn't magic. Like there's steps to get there. First, God gives you a job. Then you work hard at the job. This lecture worked better when we had city water because now with the well, it's a little bit more confusing. But, you know, you get it. God gives you a job. Then you work hard. And if you don't work hard, you lose the job that God gave you. But if you work hard, then you make money. And if you're a good steward with your money and your tithe, then you can afford to pay your bills. And if you pay your bills, then the magic of water and electricity happens. Exactly. Or repair like the thousands of tanks that are hidden that you don't know what they do, but like they're all very important, right? Um, yeah, I, I was so excited to get a well because it was like free water. And then the first time the guy was like, yeah, every year you have to service this stuff. It's like $400. So I was like, what? Can't we just drink the water? Um, no. Right? So it's, it's, it's a freely available. Now, the whole neighborhood doesn't just come into my house. Okay, but the family gets water whenever they need it. And that's how love should be. We should be loving each other and not even thinking about it. We shouldn't feel like this is taking a lot of effort. Like the point is if God has loved you and I so profoundly, what could possibly stand in the way of loving each other? So let's think of some things that stand in the way of Christians loving each other. How about sin? You know, someone sins, like crosses certain lines, we have a hard time loving them. We move into, remember, in perfect love, there is no fear because fear is punishment. We move into punishment. But this is like love covers over a multitude of sins, right? Love doesn't say sin's okay, but love forgives sin and love, right, is patient and kind, all those things. So what about if we disagree with each other's decisions? We look at how someone's living their life. I mean, I struggle with this, come on. We all struggle with this. We look at people and, and we, we, you know, size them up or judge them or make decisions about them or even maybe distance ourselves or disassociate ourselves. And, and you know, honestly, when people get into these places of their life, they need more love. I was listening to a teaching and, and it really convicted me. This guy was talking about how Jesus moved towards people who were struggling. He didn't move away from them. And yet the church often moves away. The church often distances ourselves, but he moved towards like, love goes towards the hurting. Like, Jesus said the, the healthy don't need a physician, but the sick do. And so, I know that there's, like, other verses in the Bible that talk about discipline and, and proper judgment, and all that stuff is very important, and you can't cover the whole Bible in one teaching. But the love in the family should be strong, right? When you're in the family, you should be loved and protected and safe. And so, moving on, as we love each other, so we've talked about, you know, this kind of the source, and we can love because he first loved us, so we should naturally love each other. When we love each other, it's like this virtuous cycle. Listen to these verses. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So when we love each other, we know God more. It's like, and as we know God more, we love each other more. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God, in them. It's like, 
Are you having a hard time feeling close to Jesus? Are you feeling disconnected or distant? Your quiet time's feeling a little dry? Go love somebody, right? Go serve somebody. Go be generous with somebody. Go out and bless somebody. Bless someone who frustrates you or annoys you. Go try listening to somebody. Go send a text to somebody or an email to somebody or buy a present for somebody or sacrifice in some way for somebody. Go love because as you love, remember from last week, we talked some about love being action and not just words, right? When you love in sacrifice and in action, you become closer to God. When we love, we live in God. I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot of formulas in the Bible. And so when we find them, I like them. Like, you reap what you sow. Like, makes so much sense to me. I like those things. I wish that there was more formulas in the Bible um, that, that happened. But when we love, we live in God. We become closer to him. We become filled with him, with his presence. Lastly. All right. So, I know good teachers are supposed to re-summarize, and it's also semi-annoying. But... God is the source. He's the well, right? And we love because he first loved us. He enables us to love because we are loved. And if you detach loving each other from being loved, you're going to burn yourself out. We have to be loved. We have to know Jesus and get closer to him. We have to press into his relationship with us. And then we can love each other. And when we love each other, we'll see this virtuous cycle start. But I believe the fruit so that's, some of that's like under the surface. And, but the fruit of this plant is this, that we love the world too. This is how love is made complete amongst us. Just let that sink in. This is how love is made complete amongst us. So that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. What does that mean? I think that it means so that in the end of time, when we stand before Jesus, our hearts will not condemn us because in this world, we were like Jesus. There's that last part there, okay? This is how love is made complete. In this world, we are like Jesus. This is, this, I spent a long time, not recently, but in my life, I spent a long time thinking about this. What does that mean? In this world, we are like Jesus. Like, what a high calling. And he says it a few times in a few different ways. We have seen and we testify the Father has sent the Son. We acknowledge or openly confess or declare that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, when you're a little kid and you're outside playing and you got hot, I don't know if you, if you did this, but I lived in a neighborhood. So what we would do is we'd go to a neighbor's house and, you know, turn on their hose and take a big drink, right? And we lived in like a neighborhood where everybody kind of knew each other. Um, and hose water had like a different taste and it was colder somehow. And it was like the best. I loved hose water when I was growing up. My hose water at my house actually tastes a little bit funny, but um, it's probably the hose. So there's a problem with my house's hose, though. So my house's hose, it's got the little, I don't know what these things are called, but where you turn it on, the, the nobble, nobble, nos, nozzle, thanks, spigot. It's nobble, that's not even a word. Um, so you turn it on, and it, when you turn it off, it still leaks, like lots of water, and it's right against the house, so it leaks down, and eventually if you forget to shut it off from the inside of the house, it leaks and it leaks into the basement, and, and the basement's carpeted, and that's a real pain in the butt. So I have to turn off our hose from the inside, all right? So in my house, there's water for the family whenever they want it, but there is no water for the world, <laughs> all right? It is shut off unless I make a specific special decision to turn it on. 
And God was speaking to me. I don't know if it's going to be as profound to you, but God was speaking. Look at your faces. It doesn't seem like it might be, but I'm going to press in. It was, it was profound for me that like the church does this. We turn the hose off from the inside. We're like, well, let's keep the water. We've got this huge well. I can take my hose and I can fill up. We have a hot tub that came with the house and it's like 500 gallons. I can fill up the hot tub and still have water. Like I have a huge well. I don't know how many gallons are in it, but we're not going to outrun God's source of love. And yet we oftentimes just keep it all in the family. But see, the hose is designed to be always on. Now, if mine wasn't broken, it would be. And you could probably like think about that analogy too, all right? But our hoses, our hoses need to always be on. That's all you're going to remember. And you'll be like, I have no idea what it means. But our hoses need to always be on. We should be, we should be a watering hole for the world. We should be, like the Bible says that we, uh, in, in, I think it's in Psalms or Isaiah, you walk through the desert and you make pools of refreshing. Like we should be in the harsh places Like, we should walk into lands of hopelessness and bring hope and walk into lands of pain and bring joy or bring healing. Like, we should be pools of refreshing. We should be a place of refreshing for the world. We should be like Jesus in this world. And so, that's it. It is six o'clock on the dot. And and we're going to pray. And then we're going to go serve. But I want you to to meditate on this and, and think about which of those three things in the process are areas of growth for you. One, connecting to the source. Do you connect to the source of, of, and, and connect to God and his love for you? Two, loving people in the family. Three, loving people outside the family. Which one is hard for you? God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would encourage us in our love, that you would make us better at loving each other and loving the world, Lord God. We invite you to love us more, to increase our capacity. God, would you convict us where we're loveless, God, where we're focused on ourselves, God. Let us be a church who loves with just a passion and a sacrifice and a power that just is magnetic to people who don't know you yet. In Jesus' name, amen.